0: this week on a very special Funny Books with Aaron and Polly.
1: Aaron was right. I was wrong. And now...
0: Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron, and I'm Polly. You know, by the time this is dropping, San Diego Comic Con has wrapped
1: up. Indeed, and the stories will be coming out for probably the next week or two. Yeah, lots of news,
0: lots of news. In fact, I think one of the things that I was the most excited about so far is to see that uh, George Takei is going to be voicing Galactus in an upcoming uh, Marvel cartoon.
1: I did see that. Did they mention what cartoon it was?
0: I you know, if they did, I didn't see it. I just saw that, you know, George Takei was going to be doing Galactus and you know I I was, you know, on Twitter with a friend of mine and I was like, so what is that does that make it, you know, Tacalactus? <laughs> and he's like, No, it makes it Galacticay. Galacticay. <laughs> I think that- that's pretty awesome. He's got that deep, resonant voice that I think will be great for Galactus.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I wonder if it's going to be that uh, Marvel superhero squad one, the the, the family friendly, kid friendly uh, Marvel comic. You know, the this cartoon they have coming out. It's got a uh, everyone's like bite sized Captain yeah. America. And- that doesn't sound any good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's all I could think of that Galactus would be in.
0: See, I want to see the all adult Marvel animated feature, you know, which is really kind of like what you were describing, except with more ass play.
1: Yes. I mean... (laughs) Enough with the PG-13 animated movies. Let's go with R. That's right. Yeah. Hard R. (laughs) So what else have we heard out of San Diego, Paul? Oh my god, so much. You know, I've been doing these last two days. Uh, We're recording this Saturday morning. Uh, San Diego Diego Comic-Con started Wednesday night. Um, but really, nothing happened until Thursday. So really, I've been kind of trying to keep up with it, have uh, a list of all the stories, all the important stories anyway, on our website, Ideology of Madness. And really, oh my, it's been so exhausting trying to keep keep up with it, um, you know, because they're three hours behind where I am. You know, I'm on the East Coast, they're on the West Coast, right. you know, so they usually wrap up the con around 10 o'clock, well, nine, ten o'clock, but usually the news wraps up around 7 Um, So then everyone catches up on their stories from the day on all the different websites. And so just trying to keep up between that 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. hour, uh, it's exhausting. But, you know, there's so much going on. I mean, some really great stuff is being announced. Um, Surprisingly, not too many huge movie announcements yet, but movie announcements are usually on the weekend. Right. But some pretty cool comic book news. You know, there's a new JSA series coming out.
0: Now, I see that Matt Sturgis is going to be writing that in addition to the main title. Um, and, you know, Willingham is writing the main title with him, and Williams is, or, is going to be drawing the main title with him. And then uh, Williams is going to be drawing the new title. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, which uh, begs the question, what's the difference between the titles? Yeah. Uh, I couldn't honestly tell you. Uh, you know, they haven't revealed too much on it. Other than that, it's called JSA All Stars. So maybe it's uh, you know there was a JLA All Stars title, wasn't there, years ago?
0: Yeah, there. And then there was the JSA what Secret Files title? Yeah, that was that you know ran for gosh a lot of issues.
1: But you know, given Sturgis and Willingham, yeah, you know, given their collaborations in the past, you know, at least we can see probably you know this will. really fit in with the main title yeah so maybe it's really just like having two jsa titles that really fit in with each other and that's cool yeah nothing
0: wrong with that you know uh, jsa is a is a book that i pick up and trade you know i the the stories are so good that you know they're just generally something i want on my bookshelf because i'm going to go back and read them quite a bit of of times and you know i'm like gosh you know sturgis is going to start writing on this and i really like matt sturgis's stuff I'm going to have to pick this up in floppies just because I don't want to wait. You know, so, yeah. so damn you, DC Comics, for making me <laughs> spend my money twice.
1: <laughs> you know, I think the biggest announcement, well, the most exciting announcement so far out of Comic-Con for me, well, there's two. Um, the biggest one, really, for me is uh, the new Bone books. Uh-huh. Uh, Jeff Smith's Bone, uh, which I mentioned in the last week's program, uh, as being just a great jumping-on point for new comic book readers. And really, if you haven't read Bone... You're kind of in the minority. Uh, Millions upon millions of the Bone books have been sold. Uh, You know, They were sold by cartoon books internationally, and now Scholastic picked up the rights, and they publish it in color, so it's become an even bigger thing. And Um, so you're
0: calling me a minority. I am calling you a minority. And now you're discriminating against me. You're going to make me ride at the back of the bus, aren't you? I am.
1: I'm going to make you ride at the back of the bus until you read the one-volume edition of Bone.
0: Paul Ponte keeping the man down <laughs> i'm a bigot,
1: a bone That's bigot, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know there was the announcement of the new bone books uh-huh and you know the uh, the blackest night announcement uh the Blackest Night panel, they announced two more titles in the Blackest night series uh after Blackest Night Superman, Titans, and Batman, and there's going to be Wonder Woman, which eh, who cares. But
0: and I'm guessing that's going to be her mom will be the Black Lantern in that one. I'd imagine.
1: Honestly, yeah. I don't follow Wonder Woman closely enough to yeah. know who would be the main kn- villain in that piece. I know her mom
0: died. I, I even read the trade paperback, but it was so inconsequential to me, I couldn't even tell you who killed her. I think it was in the uh, Our Worlds at War storyline. is what I think it was.
1: It wasn't Amazon's attack.
0: I think no. I think her mom died in Our Worlds at War. I really I think because it was a space thing. When she died Oh,
1: I don't know Yeah It was, it was not a good storyline <laughs> Neither was Amazon's attack Exactly <laughs> Thus the lack of interest In Blackest Night Wonder Woman <laughs> um, But Blackest Night The Flash Is what I'm interested in huh? You know, written by Jeff Johns Yeah uh, Art by Scott Collins and it's supposedly a direct follow up to Rogue's Revenge which was one of my favorite Final Crisis series. Yeah. So that's I don't know. I think that's pretty exciting. And supposedly there will be more rings like the black lantern ring they gave away for Blackest Night number 1. Oh, sweet. They're planning on going through the spectrum. So I oh, don't really? know if that means maybe every issue of Blackest Night there will be a ring. I don't know if that's what it means.
0: But apparently there'll only be one agent orange ring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you have to fight for it That's right That's
0: right Little little Thunderdome thing going on <laughs> Well, You know, there was one piece of news that I found just really exciting And that was that Marvel has uh, bought the rights to Miracle Man Or to Marvel you know, Man, I should say You know, it used to be called Miracle Man, but Marvel Man
1: You know, I'm going to leave that one to you Because I really, I have, I don't know who Marvel Man is
0: Well, he, he's Kind of a, a Superman-like character, you know, just super strong and uh, written by gosh all kinds of talent like you know Alan Moore the rights have been wrapped up for forever and and I came into you know contact with the character back in the 80s during its Eclipse comics run yeah just dated myself hardcore there <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know he's a character that's been around since the 50s and the rights have just been in limbo and everybody's been fighting over them well Marvel bought the rights and they got the whole rights and they're going back to the original creator as well as to the writers who really did some exemplary work like Alan Moore mm-hmm. to you know talk to them about, I guess about repackaging the previous work as well as maybe doing some new stuff. Uh, the Miracle Man stories I, I keep calling it Miracle Man because that's how I knew him in, 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 under the Eclipse run, but the character is actually Marvel Man. Yeah, um, they, they changed the name due to some some legal issues, but uh, those books were great, and I can't wait to see what Marvel does with it. Now I know a lot of folks are concerned, you know, how quickly will there be a team up with Wolverine? <laughs>
1: <laughs> issue one.
0: But that's right. And, you know, I'm sure they'll screw it up and have him all over the universe all at one place. But I'm, I'm really rather excited about it. I think, that, I think that's going to be kind of cool. And, you know, my biggest thing is I have wanted to get those Alan Moore and Eclipse stories in uh, trade paperback for a long time, and they've just not been available. So, you know, at least, at the very least, I'm going to be able to, to put those things on my bookshelf, which I'm awfully excited about.
1: Yeah. and you know what? If they were smart, they would treat it more like uh, DC did with the Spirit. And you know, I don't know if you've picked up any of the Spirit books by DC. You know, but it's almost an entirely different continuity, right? Um, and
0: that, I, I think that is how it ought to be done because you know, Marvel Man is is really kind of in his own universe, or at least that's where he's been. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think you lose something if you make him just one superhero among many. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So anyway, I'm excited. I, I, I'm hoping that they do it right. Marvel has been smart on many of its properties, so I'm, I'm hoping they do it right. I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm I, I, I have chosen to be optimistic. Yes, that's right. I'm wearing my blue lantern ring today, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is, which is funny. You know, you're a, you're a podcaster who's optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and I guess we could get stuck on comic-con announcements really all day uh yeah, right. you know like there's i was just reading uh, you know alexis denisoff the guy who played wesley wyndham price on angel yeah is going to be a regular in season two of dollhouse oh that's great
0: you know but, he's he's he was one of my favorite characters in angel
1: yeah he was my favorite character in angel it, and then and he, he disappeared the character
0: who had an arc
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know he completely disappeared after angel you know ended oh, i know no, he popped up no. in his wife's show.
0: Yeah, he popped. He was in a couple of episodes of How I Met Your Mother.
1: Uh, yeah, see, but I don't watch that. So. Well, you see,
0: why wouldn't you watch that when you've got you know Willow on that show? E- because. <laughs> <laughs> all right then. Yeah, because good answer.
1: <laughs> so yeah, but lots of great stuff going on at Comic Con. Like we, like I said, we could get stuck on it all day. But really. Check out the website, ideologyofmadness.com. We're posting hundreds of links. I wouldn't say
0: hundreds. hundreds. of Hundreds of thousands of links.
1: Hundreds of thousands, maybe a million or so. Yes. Uh, links to all the Comic-Con news you need so that you don't have to go and scour the internet for yourself because you're never going to find it all in one place. That's right. Except ideologyofmadness.com.
0: That's right, where we have hundreds of thousands of links, perhaps millions. <laughs>
1: perhaps.
0: So we have been accused, and you know, correctly so, of being rather DC-centric. And so Paul and I decided that we were going to dive deep, deep, deep into Marvel Comics this week. And so uh, we both went out and bought the 600th issue of The Incredible Hulk, which came out this week. Mm-hmm. Paul, you read your copy, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs> he, <laughs> he said with gravitas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have both read it. It is a great big chunky book with a cover price of four ninety nine. Um written by Jeff Loeb, um, illustrated by Ed McGinnis, or at least the the primary story is, and then there's a number of backups. And I, I have to preface it by saying that I'm a great big, huge, incredible Hulk fan. It is a character that I have loved since I first got into comics uh, way back in nineteen or And uh, <laughs> he, I, Peter David, is you know wrote the uh, definitive Incredible Hulk run, as far as I'm concerned. But you know, was really excited by what Greg Pak did with The Incredible Hulk. I loved Planet Hulk, and with the exception of the last issue of uh, uh, World War Hulk, loved that series. You know, In fact, up to the very last page of World War Hulk, I loved that series. Um, I, Greg Pack just did a fantastic job in putting The Incredible Hulk back on top, kind of like what I was talking about previously with uh, Michael J. Straczynski putting Thor back on top of the, of, of the Quality Hill You know, um, it just really did a fine job. Well, the story that immediately followed World War Hulk was this Red Hulk story. And I read maybe the first two of Jeff Loeb's issues on the the Red Hulk storyline and just absolutely hated it. And so I stopped picking it up. Well, so issue 600 is my first time to return to the book. Uh, since that Red Hulk storyline and Jeff Loeb's uh, run on it, and I have to say that it is fundamentally unreadable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and you know, for those who are trying to follow along, you know, when Jeff Loeb took over, it started. It restarted with Hulk number one, and Incredible Hulk changed to Incredible Hercules.
0: Right. Incredible Hercules is a fantastic book, by the way. I love Incredible Hercules.
1: Yeah. So this Hulk, Incredible, what what is Incredible Hulk 600? Is really more like Hulk number 13. Um, And I don't know if there have been 600 issues of Incredible Hulk. You know, it's been restarted and started as Hulk so many times. I don't know. Um, But I'm not going to nitpick on that. There's there's a cover gallery in the back. I'm not going to count to see if there's 600 covers. Or what they're counting as part of the 600. Right. Uh, But I agree. You know, talking about the actual content of the book, I actually read the first, uh, I think, six issues, seven issues?
0: Of the Red Hulk?
1: Of the Red Hulk. Yeah. um, Because I read the first six issues, which was Loeb and McGinnis. Then McGinnis took a break for issues seven and eight, I think, um, and Art Adams came in. And I was ready to drop the book after six. I was ready to drop the book after one, but I I wanted to see who the Red Hulk was. I figured it would be revealed after the first storyline. It didn't happen. And it still hasn't happened. And it still hasn't happened. I
0: I thought for sure that in issue 600, they were going to use this as an opportunity to make that revelation.
1: And let's be honest. There's a little bit of dishonesty here because uh-huh. the solicitation for the issue really does read as if it was revealed in this – as if it was going to be revealed in this issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is well, my main reason for picking it up.
0: One of the things I find very amusing is that you know I dropped it after the first or second issue of the Red Hulk storyline, came in at issue 600, and really there's not been a whole lot that's happened in that intervening period. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, so, I mean, other than the fact that you've got She-Hulk being paranoid. Yeah. They, they they tell you enough that you know what's going on, and you really have a sense that not much has happened during that during that gap in time. And the story is just as annoying as it was before. And I'm sorry, the, the Red Hulk versus Green Hulk is just as ridiculous as Blue Superman versus Red Superman. You know, I, it, it's a stupid storyline. It is something that you would have seen back in the 60s you know, that for a a, a a completely different generation of comic readers,
1: I don't know what the hell they're thinking with this. And you know, it could be a good storyline. You know, there when Paul Jenkins was on The Incredible Hulk back in early two thousands, maybe late nineties, uh-huh. yeah. you know, there were multiple Hulks and, you know, it was like a multiple personality thing. Right. Um, which is always you know, has always been an aspect of the Hulk. But extremely extremely well done storylines when he was on the title you know so i know it can be done right but this is just you know it's damn near unreadable it really is
0: well and i I did read i I say that it's unreadable but you know i did read the entire jeff Loeb, ed mcginnis story and i have to say i don't care for the way ed mcginnis draws the hulk it it, it almost looks two marvel adventures to me
1: yeah but you know know what i do like i like the way he draws spider-man I did, and, and you know I will say that I, I I did like the way Spider-Man guests in
0: this in this issue and he does draw Spider-Man very effectively and I thought it was a nice guest appearance since they both had their 600th issue this week I thought it was a great appearance of both characters and so you know that that I was like oh that's that's a, that's a nice that's a nice touch I kind of like Dark Samson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you know the the, the bad Dr. Dr. Sampson in here. But that was really it. I always enjoy Ben Yurick, you know, the reporter. Mm-hmm. Didn't much care for his appearance in the book. I did certainly didn't care for the sinister red Hulk in the shadows at the end of the book saying, well, you know, if you tell anybody about me, I'm going to push a building over on all your friends. <laughs> you know? I mean, come on. When you're, when you're as great big and huge as, as you know the Hulk, you don't need to make little idle sinister threats like that. You just do those things. Yeah. You know? Or, you know, you don't even actually have to say them. Just say something like, you know, what do you think I could do to people you care about? You know it just it just bugged me. but then you know, here you are, you, we, again, we paid five bucks for this book. The next story is a Stanley story. and you know, I respect Stanley, but he writes for a different generation. He uh his style of writing is really not something that I enjoy uh, in my modern comics. I love reading the stuff that he wrote back in the '60s and 70s, but it really it, it doesn't taste right anymore. <laughs> and this Hulk of Many Colors story that he did with, you know, Rodney Buscemi is just awful. And again, this is – when I, when I say it's unreadable, I could not finish reading it.
1: And it's only about 12 pages long. Yeah. And it is
0: terrible. And I mean, and guest stars Willie Lumpkin, the uh, the mailman from Fantastic Four, you know, whose secret power is that he can wiggle his ears. I mean, I <laughs> – I, 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 it was awful. The last page fe- features Galactus. And, it, 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 you know, it's, it was written kind of as a joke, as humor, but the the, the the humor is really misplaced and, wow, did not like it a lot.
1: Yeah, and it's not even so much of an aspect of out-of-place writing, mm-hmm. you know, out-of-time writing, I guess I should yeah. say. It's really just a case of this has Bad writing. Yeah. You know, it's meant to be a humorous story, and uh, I'm going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man 600 here in a minute because he has a story in that as well. Just as bad. You know, yeah. it's just nonsensical. Bad writing. Right. Sorry, Stan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, like I say, I've got a lot of respect for for Stan Lee for what he's done, and you know, clearly the man has got talent and what all. But I I, I have not enjoyed his writing since he did that Silver Surfer story with Mobius. He just doesn't seem to have his finger on what the comic book reader is looking for these days. Whereas, you know, back in the day, he was all about that. He knew exactly what people wanted in their comic books. And I just think he's too out of touch.
1: Yeah. And so you didn't like Ravager 2000 or 2099? Oh, God,
0: that was an awful, (laughs) awful book. You know, and I kept buying. I bought all those 2099 titles back in the day. I'm sorry. Well, you know, I really liked uh Spider-Man 2099, but of course it's written by Peter David, somebody that somebody whose talent I've got a tremendous amount of respect for. And just like almost everything Peter David does. So Spider-Man 2099 I thought was really good except that they often had less than uh, capable talent drawing the book. Ravager 2099 was always bad. Hulk 2099 was always bad. X-Men 2099 wasn't All that bad. (laughs) There's a ringing endorsement for you. It's not all that bad. It's not horrible. Ron Lim worked on that, and I usually like what Ron Lim does. And, you know, so I I, I stayed with that book probably longer than I should have.
1: So have you been reading his Anita Blake Vampire Hunter?
0: No, I have not. (laughs) Ah,
1: that's okay. (laughs) My wife reads it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Uh,
1: All right, we're getting way off topic. Hulk 600. Okay, yeah, Hulk Um, 600. So the...
0: The next story is the all-new Savage She-Hulk weapon of arm of armor. What's up with her red hair?
1: I don't know, honestly. And, you know, this is leading into, you know, it says the story takes place after the events of the all-new Savage She-Hulk number four. I guess I'm kind of out of the loop. I didn't realize She-Hulk had changed. Is this a different yeah. She-Hulk? I get the impression it's a different She-Hulk. Okay. So we have the real She-Hulk or, the you know, the regular She-Hulk who's in, the, you know, She-Hulk still has black hair right. in the uh, the first storyline. And then there's Savage She-Hulk with red hair. And just announced at Comic-Con, there's a red She-Hulk coming. A (laughs) She-Rulk. Okay. (laughs) So I I was a bit lost. This was another story that for – I guess it was trying to pull – I don't know if it was even intended to pull in new readers for Savage She-Hulk because it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, um, I was really lost with it. I just kind of, I got a couple pages in, and I had to skip it. It just wasn't making any sense to me.
0: Yeah, I I didn't get it. I was just like, you know, the, and the, the sad thing is, the artwork's actually pretty good, but I I didn't get it. I was like, I I don't I don't know what I'm reading here. You know, I was just it was completely sliced out. And then, and I you know, we've talked about uh, my philosophy on buying reprints. Uh, <laughs> the last uh, portion of the book is issue one of hulk gray from however many years ago done by uh tim sale and jeff Loeb. yeah and i am usually a fan of, of of that team up i mean i love the uh stories that they have done you know together but and i'm, and I'm trying to remember some of the names uh, you know i know that there was spider-man blue and spider-man red uh what were some of the dc titles paul
1: uh you know there's been um batman uh oh, yeah uh, the for, The Long Halloween. Long Halloween, and um, there was the other one, The Dark Victory, Superman for All Seasons.
0: Yeah, and and particularly The Long Halloween and uh, Dark Victory. Is that right? Yes. Those two are fan-freaking-tastic. They they are just terrific books. Hulk Gray, though, I was not a fan of.
1: Yeah, and I didn't like Spider-Man Blue. Uh, Daredevil Yellow was pretty decent. Yeah. Um and yeah. Captain America White, I don't even know what the hell happened to that. They released a zero issue and I haven't heard of it since. Yeah. I wonder if it got scrapped because of or they're having to rewrite things because of whatever they're doing in Captain America Reborn. Right. Yeah, so this, you know, it reprints the first issue and really it's after you flip that last page of the first issue, there's an ad for a brand new Hulk Grey hardcover then there yeah. was one back in 2003 when the story was published but obviously there's a new one coming so this is really just a promotion it has nothing to do with the main storyline yeah. it's really just an ad a 22 page ad for the upcoming hardcover yeah a reprint of hulk gray
0: yeah that you got to spend five bucks on
1: yeah so out of you know if you're following along out of a five dollar maybe hundred page issue we got through 22 pages of it, which is that main storyline. I don't even think it's a an extra sized issue. It's just you know, or you know, the main storyline. I think is just a regular size. And we couldn't read Stan Lee's. We couldn't read She Hulk, <laughs> Hulk Gray. We skipped over because we've already read it. And then there's a bunch of advertisements for all the upcoming Hulk issues. Yeah. Um, if you're a Hulk fan, prepare to be broke. Yeah. You know, there's there because there's going to be Hulk. There's going to be Incredible Hulk. And Incredible Hercules, simultaneously. And then Son of Hulk, Savage She-Hulk, and upcoming, and this is what I was saving for the podcast, World War Hulks later on this year
0: oh god
1: (laughs) um so uh, apparently all this misery is building up to an even bigger storyline and i would venture to say i don't know i don't know if that one's going to be written by greg pack jeff Loeb. they haven't really announced that other than saying there is a world war hulks crossover coming on later this year that they're saying is going to be even bigger than world war hulk well
0: Um, i'm i'm kind of curious paul are we the only ones saying that this stuff is crap
1: (laughs) You know, I I don't think so. I'm sure there are a lot of people who say it's crap. You know, I hear – you know, most people stick with the Greg Pak stuff. Yeah, because Greg Pak is awesome. Yeah, you know, he's writing Incredible Hercules and Son of Hulk, I think. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think Son of Hulk actually might be being picked up by Paul Jenkins. Right. But it was originally written by Greg Mm Pak. But as far as the Rulk, the Red Hulk storyline – I know. Yeah. I hate to say it. I don't think people have really been digging it, you know. At the end of this issue in End of Issue 600, supposedly Bruce Banner can no longer become the Hulk. Right. So apparently Bruce Banner and his son Scar, is it Scar? Yeah, Scar. Um, are going Son to of be Hulk. Te- son of Hulk. <laughs> are going to be teaming up with inc- you know for Incredible Hulk, you know. That that's going to be that storyline written by Greg Pak with art right. by Ariel Olivetti. Uh, which begs the question so what's happening in son of Hulk uh, why does there a need for two son of Hulk titles um I don't know yeah i I'm done I'm done with Hulk yeah. i you know I, I had taken a break after issue eight you know sir so for six months I've kind of been out of the loop I jump back in it's I don't feel like I've missed anything so it's not like well, I am lost it's just crap
0: it confirmed to me the decision to get out of it because I, the story is so awful, and and I just don't get it. I, I, you know, the Hulk was in such a good place as far as the the franchise was in such a good place at the end of World War Hulk, just as strong as it could be, and then to to move into this crap.
1: Yeah, and you know, I don't get it. I, yeah, I don't either. Um, Incredible Hulk six hundred. If you're ch- Trying to decide if it's worth getting back in. It's not new reader friendly. It's not even worth your time.
0: Yeah. You know, they took
1: a superstar team of Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis who. You know, did great – well, I wouldn't say great things. But, you know, they worked on Superman, Batman for DC Comics. Big hit for DC Comics. They came over to Marvel and pretty much stunk it up. Uh, I haven't liked Jeff Loeb's stuff since his exclusive agreement with Marvel. Yeah, I agree. And, you know,
0: again, Jeff Loeb is somebody – I'm not going to call him a a talentless hack like I would Grant Morrison. Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's what's up with Jeff Loeb, but he hasn't written anything good since his involvement with uh, the Heroes television series yeah i i just i i can't bear reading his stuff whereas previously i just you know sopped it up with a biscuit so i anyway i i will tell you that i am not picking up six oh one
1: yeah or fourteen or thirteen or whatever yeah, the hell
0: yeah i might pick up the greg pack storyline and uh, you know i am still picking up incredible hercules and in trade because incredible hercules is fan freaking fantastic uh i am i am done with Hulk for a while you know and again that doesn't change. that does not change my love for the character, um, but I've got to I've got to wait for a different uh, team to come on it and with it with a whole brand new story because you know this is this is not a storyline I'm interested in and it has gone on 13 issues too long in my opinion.
1: So <laughs> and let it not be said because I know you know we said hey we're going to talk about Marvel today by the way they F and suck. Um, <laughs> let it not be said that that's what we're getting at here because right. I also picked up you know there were two 600 issues this week so if you're a Marvel fan and you like Spider Man and Hulk you spent. At least ten bucks this week on two books, uh, because Amazing Spider-Man number six hundred came out this week. Another whopper of an issue. I think it's a hundred pages big, maybe even bigger than that i don't know it's a huge issue and unlike incredible hulk 600 the main feature of this was at least triple sized it may have been 60 to 80 pages i mean it's huge it's it's a graphic novel unto itself by one team it is all written by dan slot with pencils by john ramita jr and inks by claus jansen
0: now i'll say i when i was standing at the comic rack amazing spider-man number 600 was not on my pull list and I picked it up, and I thumbed through it, and I saw, ooh, Dan Slott. I like Dan Slott. And then I opened it up, and I saw that John Romita Jr. was, was doing the, the pencils in it. And I was like, ooh, I like John Romita Jr. And I put it up in favor of Incredible Hulk 600. And I, 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 that will go down as one of the biggest <laughs> mistakes in my life. Because,
1: you know, <laughs> I've been out of Amazing Spider-Man for a little bit. you know Since they switched over to three issues a month. Um, after the brand new day, or not brand new, brand new day was the three issues a month. Um, Right. I don't know, the the one where he made the deal with Mephisto, and he hasn't been married to Mary Jane since. Really, if you drop Spider-Man then, you can pick it up now and kind of know what's going on. There's a good, you know, the dialogue really kind of wraps it up. There's no previously on Spider-Man page, but the dialogue kind of gets you caught up, like an episode of 24. It's actually pretty good i I enjoyed the read it's it's a very good spider-man comic i will give it that you know there's a a shocker reveal at the ending which i guess i've been out of the loop so i didn't realize she was completely gone from the title uh mary jane pops up uh at the end of the issue but really the storyline is mostly about dr octopus who has found out he's dying and in the time he has left he's trying to basically put about a program that will help the world but He's doing it in a bad way. So he's become kind of a tragic figure, a little bit more like a Mr. Freeze. Really, you know, not bad, not bad. You know, it's got uh, the Human Torch in it, so there's a lot of good banter between Spider-Man and the Human Torch. Dan Slott, he he writes a good Spider-Man tale. Despite what you think of the current continuity of Spider-Man, which I really don't like, he does a good job with it. And, you know, one thing that he'll get caught up quickly, and it'll kind of piss you off if you've been following spider-man or drop spider-man because he you know you know the cat went back into the bag as far as the secret identity apparently he's revealed it to all the new avengers and the fantastic four and he was trying to reveal it to daredevil in this issue but daredevil said no i don't want to know so really, don't tell me i don't want to (laughs) know yeah uh so really it's kind of i don't know they're negating it slowly uh and i know that there's kind of a point to this storyline i know it'll ultimately come to a head um And one of the big events in this issue is that Aunt May got married to J. Jonah Jameson's father. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's a little (laughs) cheesy, but a pretty good read. And, you know, for five bucks, it's damn worth it. Because not only do you get the main feature, you get a bunch of crappy backstories or, you know, co-features. Um you know
0: that re- No, those are those those are backstories. Yeah, these are backstories
1: <laughs> or backups. Uh, you know, ones right. written by Stan Lee, art by Marcos Martin. Again, unreadable, uh, but pretty art at least this time around. And there's another one by Mark Ra- Wade and Colleen Doran that's short but sweet. One by Bob Gale that's, again, unreadable. And another one by Mark Guggenheim. And if you're, you know, wondering these names, these are the Spider-Man brain trusts. These are the guys who alternate on writing Amazing Spider-Man. They each had a little piece of the issue. And really, there's even more co-stories than that. Joe Kelly. I mean, really, flipping the issue here. There's, there's a lot going on, including a preview of what's to come. Ultimately, for five bucks, really worth it. And... You know, it's enough if you've been out of Spider Man. It's not going to get you back into Spider Man. I'm not going to pick up 601. I'm really not. Right. But I enjoyed this as a read, and I got my money's worth out of it, and at least I can say that. So, if you're well, a fan that's, of Spider-Man, that's
0: more than we were able to say about Incredible Hulk. Yeah, so. if
1: you're a fan of Hulk, don't pick up Hulk. If you're a fan of Spidey, yeah. go ahead and pick up Amazing Spider-Man 600 even if you've been out of the loop for a while.
0: Well, I you know, I I'm envious of your experience on that because uh, <laughs> you know, I I did I did I had to make that Sophie's choice. Was it, you know, Incredible Hulk, was it Amazing Spider-Man and I chose poorly.
1: You chose
0: so. <laughs> he did not choose wisely. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Next up, and again we're we're st- we're sticking with the uh, Marvel Comics for right now. Uh, mm-hmm. A series that I have really been enjoying in uh, the Marvel Comics universe is Guardians of the Galaxy, and it is – a modern re-envisioning of the Guardians of the Galaxy within current continuity. The Guardians of the Galaxy was a series back in the 70s, I believe, that was that took place like in the 30th century, and you know you had heroes like Charlie 27 and Starhawk and Major Victory and you know all these uh, these kind of characters. Well, these are characters that rolled out of Marvel's Annihilation series. Like, so you, know, you had Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest. These were characters that rolled out of that. Has the best character in all of comic books, Rocket Raccoon, in it. You know, anytime you've got a raccoon uh, shooting uh, laser guns, that's just good
1: stuff. I agree.
0: Um, I'll kind of run down the roster of characters and, and why they're so cool. You've got uh, Star Lord, which is a, a character from, gosh, the 70s and 80s in Marvel Comics. It was one of their, their uh, space pulp characters. Uh, Peter Quill, and I've always been a big fan. There was a terrific, uh, John Burns story that was, that was inked by Terry Austin, uh, back in the early 80s of Star-Lord, and it was just a beautiful book, and I've just been hooked on the character ever since. So Peter Quill, Star-Lord is in it. You also have Bug in it, and Bug is originally from Marvel Comics Micronauts series also from the 80s and one of my favorite characters from that from that book he was the galactic warrior character uh bug and you know a lot of people confuse him with ambush bug from dc comics but very much a unique character the names are the only thing that's similar um otherwise uh very very different kind of character though he is a wise ass And i guess that is a similarity you have mantis in the book you have cosmo the telepathic telekinetic dog mm-hmm. who you know is uh, is Russian (laughs) and Adam Warlock and you'll all remember him from like Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity Wars and all that kind of fun stuff so the book is a lot of fun and it's uh, issue 16 came out this week the book is written by Dan Abnett and uh, Andy Lanning or DNA as as they go and they have really been responsible for the re-envisioning of the Marvel Comics space stories you know all the stories that are taking taking place out there in the far far reaches of space their sci-fi line of comic books Mm -hmm. and i gotta tell you marvel comics has never gotten it so right in this part of their universe before these books are better than they've ever been ever and I, i just i'm i'm so excited every month when guardians of the galaxy comes out when nova comes out uh these are just fantastic books and i was disappointed this week though (laughs) <laughs> because, uh-uh. well, you know, you still have Abnett Lanning doing the writing, but they changed the artist to, uh, I think it's a, his name's Wesley Craig. And, you know, they've had this beautiful artwork previously by Brad Walker. And his his pencils have just been terrific. And they moved to this guy who's able, but his artwork looks more like it's appropriate for, you know, the Sunday Funnies page. Ah, you know, it's it's not as uh it's not as detailed, it's a little simple. And you know, again, I like it, I just don't think it's suitable for the comic. And so I haven't actually read this week's Guardians of the Galaxy simply for the fact that I've got kind of a, a barrier for me on the on the interior artwork. Now the cover art looks great, but the uh interior artwork, again, it's ably done, but it is just not what I was expecting, and sometimes I kinda have to wrap my head around that before I jump into it. So I've set that aside. But, um, I do recommend Guardians of the Galaxy because it, it is just a fantastic read. If you like science fiction, if you like pulp, you're gonna enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and again, Best best uh, character in comics, Rocket Raccoon. you got to love that guy. I will also talk briefly about Nova. Now, Nova is a comic book that first got its start back in the 80s. Nova was Richard Rider, who very much kind of like the Green Lantern storyline. Uh, alien crash lands on Earth, dying, gives his powers over to someone else to become part of a galactic uh, police corps. And that's essentially Nova. Well, in the Annihilation storylines, the Nova Corps... And you can always when I say Nova Core, you can just say Green Lantern Core. <laughs> <laughs> the Nova Core was annihilated, and there was only one Nova left, and that was Richard Ryder. And so he wound up possessing all of the powers and knowledge of the Nova Core and what they call, I think, the Unimind. World Mind, Unimind. Anyways, they're they their big computer, you know, database that you know knows everything about the universe.
1: So their Green Lantern battery. Got it, got it. Following.
0: Exactly. Essentially, yes. And so, you know, he has been in the process of of you know fighting all these wars out there in outer space, kind of growing as a character. Because, you know, Richard Rider was always kind of like your Peter Parker kind of character. Bad things happened to him. He had that, you know, with great responsibility kind of thing going on. And just never could seem to get his life together. Well, now, you know, he's like the general in this war or these wars. And so his character has really made a big 180 degree turn. And it's really nice when you get to see those kinds of changes in our comic characters because so many times you don't get to see that in a mainline character. Uh, The whole reason that Spider-Man made the deal with the devil was so that Marvel editorial could retro Spider-Man back to a place where they preferred him, as opposed to continuing the growth of his character through adulthood. You know, they wanted to to young him up, and you know, get reduce some of those grown up responsibilities that he had. So Nova is kind of kind of a change in that. You know, you are seeing the character continuing to grow versus you know staying in that perpetual "I'm a teenage screw up." So that's one of the things I really like about Nova. But he is integral to the uh, sci-fi stories that they're doing in Marvel. And right now they've got their large event called War of Kings. So they've had Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, and now they've got War of Kings. And uh, our friend Jonathan over at Kicked in the Dice Bags might enjoy this because it heavily involves some of the X-Men characters. It's got Vulcan, which is Scott Summer's brother, Mm -hmm. half-brother, what have you. And it has the Star Slammers, which which has been a... uh, group of characters that have guest starred in X-Men for years and years and years, inclusive of Havoc, Scott Summers' brother. It has the Shi'ar Empire, which, again, characters from the X-Men stories. It also includes the Inhumans, and I was never a fan of the Inhumans until Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee did their big storyline a couple of years ago and really kind of re-envisioned the Inhumans and, and really made them cool again, or cool at first, because I never thought they were cool to begin with. But it's really a very strong storyline. I highly recommend it. You can probably still pick up the earlier issues of War of Kings. You don't have to have all of this knowledge, you know, of the, of the last two wars. I think it enriches the experience. But, you know, Marvel is really good about kind of summing up where everything is on the first page. So uh, I think this is actually something you could jump into. I'm, I'm a big fan of War of Kings, and I'm a big fan of the Marvel Universe uh, science fiction stories. So highly recommend
1: it. Which is great, because honestly, other th- save for Green Lantern, DC. Not so good with their space stuff. You know, they've got some great space characters. They've got Adam Strange and Adam Strange. I don't know. They've got a bunch <laughs> of space characters. Well, I just don't give a crap. Captain Comet is another one. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, and they had... Well, and I really enjoyed the Captain Comet mystery in space series that Jim Starlin did. You know, I
1: thought it started off strong, but it uh-huh. just kind of... I thought it, it kind of petered out towards the end. Yeah. And that's how I felt about Adam Strange. And... Mm-hmm. Um, the ranthanagar war that followed the adam strange storyline you know and led into infinite crisis really the space stuff in infinite crisis had n- no interest i had no interest in that yeah. stuff i think that
0: dc got their space stories best in 52
1: yeah you know with the
0: with the characters like animal man and starfire that were trapped out there on the far side of space i thought those were actually pretty good space stories but I, I'm, I'm right there with you. While I've always enjoyed Adam Strange, you know, the character, I've never felt like he was used right.
1: Yeah, and, you know, they've got a storyline going on right now, or maybe it's already over. The Strange Adventures, I think it's called. Um, uh, you know, written by the same team that did The Mystery in Space. I think it's Jim Starlin is working yeah. on it right now. You know, I just, I'm not that interested in it. It, it has Bizarro, Adam Strange, Captain Comet. Uh, It even has The Weird in it, and if you don't remember The Weird, there was a a big company event, god, I don't know, back in the mid to late 80s, called The Weird, written by Jim Starlin with art by Bernie Wrightson. Yeah,
0: and I love that. I I have that in trade, and actually, I love that story.
1: Yeah, and I have the original issues. I mean, I love it. I really do, you know? Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. It just, I'm not that interested in some of the space stuff going on, on in DC's world, uh, yeah. I I did pick up Guardians of the Galaxy the first half of the, well the first you mm-hmm. know 6 issues or so I did enjoy it I did like it uh, I I pretty much dropped it for monetary reasons but I did enjoy mm-hmm. what I read and you know Rocket Raccoon is great I feel he does. I love. He deserves his own title, but you know.
0: I agree. I. 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 I and I love him in Guardians. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, I. I would love to see more Rocket Raccoon. As long as he's written well and drawn well, yeah. you know. I don't want to see some hack drawing Rocket Raccoon. You know. Uh, <laughs> I want to see good stuff. I also. I need a Rocket Raccoon action figure, and I need a Rocket Raccoon TV. <laughs> so.
1: You know, I'm a big fan of animals in space. You know, I was a huge yeah. fan of Bucky O'Hare. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. that one. I mean, that I've, got, was,
0: I've got that right here. I, I am putting my hands on Bucky O'Hare really?
1: right now. You know, yeah, And Michael I, Golden. What the hell is he doing? He can draw a Rocket Raccoon miniseries. That's right. Well, you know, he's busy being an ass. Yeah, that's but, true. Uh, Didn't Mike Mignola <laughs> do a Rocket Raccoon miniseries? I don't. I don't know. I think he did. Well, I I knew he did the art on one, if I remember correctly. Oh
0: yeah, you're right. Rocket Raccoon. I'm sorry, I was thinking Bucky O'Hare. No, no,
1: there was only one Bucky uh, (laughs) O'Hare storyline. Supposedly, there was works. uh, You know, some work had begun on a follow up to the Bucky O'Hare, and supposedly some art was completed on it. It just, I guess, never got off the ground. But
0: you know, just to sum up, you know, if you like science fiction and you like pulp. By all means, go pick up the Marvel Universe, uh, uh, science fiction stories, Guardians of the Galaxy, Nova, War of Kings. And you know if you're looking for something in trade, Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest are fantastic. So uh, go grab those. Go grab them now. 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 Well, wait. Hit pause. pause. pause go get them now. <laughs> <laughs> what else are okay, you doing? Now that- it's Monday. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Working. Go get them. Colin's sick to work today. Okay, so uh, you want to talk about Final Crisis? Yeah,
1: I guess we'll you oh, know, sorry, stick a little Legion bit of on worlds. space. We'll talk about Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds, which, you know, we were talking about it last week. It started, I think, if I remember correctly, it actually started before Final Crisis. That's uh, right. Which was mired with its own delays. Uh, you know, they switched artists, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, but Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds refused to switch artists. Uh, right. George Perez has been the artist. Uh, written by Jeff Johns, finally finished its a five-issue run uh, yeah. after this long time, and it's good, I will say. A- and it it is stunningly beautiful, I think. Absolutely. The, the art is fantastic. If the art was the reason we waited, which, honestly, I'm sure it was, it yeah. was worth the wait. Yeah. Story-wise, I still don't know who the Legion of Superheroes yeah. is. I don't know who the do characters are.
0: To, yeah, it doesn't do anything to... To clarify that for me?
1: Yeah, if anything, I'm more confused. And yes, I guess now there is only... But, you know, and it doesn't really kind of wipe away the other Legions either. It kind of explains discrepancies in Legion. Um, You know, this Legion is from this Earth. This Legion is from this Earth. Um, But the Legion, obviously, the Legion that we're going to stick with in DC Universe proper is the one that Jeff Johns wrote into the recent Superman Legion of Superheroes storyline, which was fantastic. Art by Gary Frank. Absolutely great stuff. Um, And that's the one we're sticking with. Uh, But, you know, the main thing this storyline did, uh, for those who don't give a crap about Legion like myself, um, is that it brought back Connor Kent Superboy and Bart Allen Kid Flash. Or Yeah, yeah, he's Kid Flash. He's not Impulse. Um, And it sets up Adventure Comics... Uh, by Jeff Johns and Francis Manupol, which starts August? September? Something like that. Yeah, I think it comes out uh, August 12th. August 12th, yeah. August 12th. Um, but, honestly, if you're not a Legion of Superheroes fan, I don't know if there's... A, I mean, it's a good storyline. I enjoyed all five issues. You know, I, I don't know if we need to tell anyone who already knows... You know, I mean, because basically if you're going to read issue five, you've already read issues one through four. Yeah, I would not recommend
0: just picking up issue five if you haven't read issues one through four. And again, you know, exactly like you said, this doesn't help you <laughs> with the Legion storyline. Um, I, I, When I started this this series... Um I had the exact same problem that I have anytime I read a Legion book. I don't know who these guys are. There's too many characters to keep track of. You know, I always enjoy the 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 artwork in those stories, but damn. You know, there's just too many guys and and I know that there are folks out there who are, you know, very very, you know, into Legion and they know all this stuff, but man, I, it has always been too much for me. But The artwork is just beautiful. There are things in here that I I think are are rather amusing. And while I think that, uh, is it Superboy Prime? I think they just call
1: him Prime now.
0: Prime now. Well, you know, I think Prime is a great villain. He's awfully whiny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think I think it's good that we kind of resolve his character a little bit and can rest him for a while I hope that when we see him again he's a little bit more, not more mature, but less whiny
1: yeah, um, you know, at the end of this issue and I hate to bring up spoilers, but I'm going to you know, Prime comes from, I guess his name because he comes from Earth Prime right. where which is essentially our Earth, it's the real world except there is one kid in the planet who actually has superpowers that mirror Superman's. So that's really where Prime gets his name from and where he comes from. So at the end of the issue, Prime is whining because he's reading Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds number 5 and complaining about the delays, and he's getting his revenge by spamming the DC Nation network boards or the DC Universe uh, message boards. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's kind of which a, is
0: a little amusing, but but a, but a little misplaced in its humor.
1: It is, it is. It, it doesn't. I don't know. It, it it doesn't work for me. I I get it. I get that's where his character comes from. Um, but you know, I'm not a big fan of comic book comic books that have to deal with fake. You know, the fake universe coming into the real world. Right. I, it doesn't really flow. It seems like a an old way of storytelling to me. You know, I I think that kind of stuff went out in the 80s. And honestly, that's where Prime came from, you know, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. So I understand that's why it just didn't really work for me as an ending. Uh, Yeah, I agree. But, you know, I mean, again, it's not a bad read. Gorgeous to look at. Uh, If you haven't picked it up, you know, you may want to pick it up in trade, but honestly, I kind of doubt it's going to be referenced very often. Uh, you know, the Superboy has his own series, Adventure Comics, which is going to have a backup featuring the Legion, trying to get them built up before they get their own series. You know, Bart mm-hmm. Allen's back in um, Flash Rebirth and Teen Titans. I really doubt we're going to see this series referenced much.
0: Uh, Paul, I'm gonna. I need to correct you on something. That that's going to be
1: a co-feature. A co-feature. I apologize. Yeah, co-feature. Feature.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm. You know, I, I. I think I've mentioned before on the show that uh, Superboy, this Superboy, Connor Kent, is uh, one of my favorite characters. I really like Connor. I was, I was really upset when he died at the end of uh, Infinite Crisis. You were.
1: You called me crying. Um,
0: I did. I I was really upset. That, I mean, I, you know, that that had the exact effect. I think that they were looking for it was a it was a uh, a, a strong ending and and a, and a meaningful death. You know, it's not been very long since he's been gone, and usually I'm rather critical of that. I'm usually, you know, if you're going to kill a guy off, have him be gone for a while, you know. Uh, and I'm thankful that he hasn't been gone so long because I really, really grooved to the character. I liked him when he was, you know, uh, part of the Reign of the Superman storyline. Uh, you know, I liked him from the get-go in the '90s, even when he had the the goofy hair and glasses. I just – I love this character and I've loved him in every iteration that he's had since he came along. So I'm just thrilled to death that he's back.
1: You know, it's funny. You say he hasn't been dead that long. He's been dead longer than Captain America.
0: Well, but I'm, I'm fussing about that too.
1: So. <laughs> True. Uh, and he's been dead longer than Bart Allen. Um, yeah, so – but I'm happy Bart Allen's back too.
0: Well, and and I'll say, you know, it, it looked like Superboy was going to be gone longer because there were some legal issues. Mm-hmm. You know, concerning you know who owned what around the Superman characters, and so you know his death actually did look like it was going to be you know fairly long term. In that you know, did DC have the rights to print this character? And so uh, I'm I'm excited that he's back. You know, and you know I think we all kind of knew that Bart was coming back pretty quickly. I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm just I'm very 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 happy to see Connor back, and I'm looking forward to Adventure Comics.
1: Yeah, as am I. In fact, you know I like. I like a lot of what they've done with that whole Young Justice team. Yeah. You know, Superboy. All of those characters they're treating pretty well. Yeah, Tim Drake being Red Robin now. Um, Mm -hmm. There will be a team up, they've already said, in Adventure Comics and Red Robin. Um, Bart Allen was Impulse. Oh,
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because there's something here that that I'd like to point out. Uh Okay. You remember in the – 52 comics and beyond Tim Drake was just a freak show about trying to do something to clone Connor, bring Connor back from the dead, that kind of thing. So here we are in the second to the last page of the main story in Legion of three worlds. And Tim Drake just has kind of this, "Eh, okay, Connor's back kind of look on his face, (laughs) you know, like, you know, is there any pizza left? Yeah. (laughs) I, And I'm sure they're going to handle that reunion in another book, but it would have been nice to see some kind of reaction from Tim on that page.
1: And I think Jeff Johns had something in that, you know, was involved in the whole Tim Drake trying to revive Connor, uh, clone Connor. So I really think that is going to come into play, Um, just not in this book. And honestly, there was so much jam-packed into this book, uh, um, I would be shocked if they tried to fit anything else in.
0: Well, and and, and I'm not saying that that it needed to be a story element, that it even needed more than a frame, but... There should have been, you know, if you look on that page you'll see that there's a cutaway where Superman, you know, it's kind of a close up on Superman's face and he's just got that rather satisfied look on his face. <laughs> there should have also have been a panel and there's room for it on the page. There should have also have been a panel showing Tim's astonishment or joy or something. But, you know, he's way in the background behind Supergirl and Donna Troy and, you know, he's just kind of got this meh yeah. <laughs> kind of look on his face. I just think I think it's missing from the story.
1: And you know, honestly, I think that considering the two considering two dead characters come back and they're introduced to their family and friends. Yeah. I thought that that aspect of it should have been more emotional. I I guess yeah. it really was a pressed for time thing, but yeah, I think, you know, not just Tim Drake's reaction, I think everyone's reaction was just Yeah. Okay, And along those
0: along those lines, those, those last two pages uh, leading up to the very last page. So the pencils look rather rushed.
1: I would imagine they were.
0: Yeah. I'm, well, and, you know, I, I know, I know, I know that, you know, some artists are slow. And I know that we love George Perez, but, you know, he's not as fast as he used to be. But, you know, I look at the Superman on this one page and I, I don't, it almost doesn't look like George Perez drew it.
1: I'm sure he had some assists, some um, yeah. uncredited assists on the, uh, the art, I think.
0: Yeah, and that's what I think happened. I think he's got some uncredited assists because I look at the third to the last page of the storyline and none of that
1: looks like Perez. That's a good point. That is a good point. And, you know, honestly, I think I think the only reason we are seeing this book now is because Adventure Comic comes out on oh, August yeah. 12th. This had to be done before I, Adventure Comics could start. I
0: agree I agree now the very last page is obviously George Perez yes you know but I do think the the, the the preceding two pages are not him they just they just does not look like his work no
1: I think that's a good point So
0: that was Legion of Three Worlds. We'll
1: briefly talk about this week's Blackest Night book. Yes, we won't get overloaded with Blackest Night this week. Um,
0: Last week was 45 minutes. We won't spend, you know, but maybe 40 minutes on Blackest Night. Yeah, maybe
1: 43. (laughs) 43. We won't get carried away. Yeah, Uh, Two Blackest Night titles came out this week. Green Lantern number 44, which is essential reading to the Blackest Night storyline, and Tales of the Core number 2, which is completely unessential. I guess we'll start off... With the good, well, my good anyway, I really liked Green Lantern 44. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, and Doug Mank, or Manky, or whatever, you know, are we, we still haven't looked it up, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> um, you know, does the art on this. And he did the funeral scene uh, for yeah. Martian Manhunter in Final Crisis we- Requiem. So I, I kind of enjoy that he's also doing the resurrection of John Jones Mm -hmm. as a Black Lantern. I mean, really, Mm -hmm. the issue is one big fight scene, to be honest with you. Yeah. But it's it's a damn good fight scene. I really thought this was a great issue.
0: And the resurrect that first page, is beautifully done.
1: You know, you open it up,
0: and particularly if you read Requiem, uh, you open it up and you remember that fight. You remember the funeral scene where uh, John Jones, the Martian Manhunter, is buried in that pyramid on Mars. And I forget which hero did it, but they it had left Batman. an Oreo. It was Bruce Wayne, Batman. Yeah, uh, Batman leaves the Oreo on his uh, coffin. And you know, if you remember the the Keith Geffen Justice League International books from back in the nineties. Martian Manhunter was a huge fan of Oreos and Milk. And so he leaves that Oreo there on the top. And that's where this opens up. And I'm just like, this is beautifully done. You know, it's those little details, mm-hmm. you know, that that really make for, for a very enjoyable read.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's Mar- – so Martian Manhunter has come back because – well, he's come back because he's a Black Lantern. But he's attacking – He's a zombie. He's a zombie, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's attacking Flash Barry Allen – and Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, because they have come back from the dead. Basically, um, is kind of the point of the Black Lanterns, I think, to reclaim right. maybe those who have come back from yeah. the dead. Yeah, and, you know, and it's like I said, it's a it's a quite a long fight scene, but you know, and I'll say this, Doug Mank, you know, we we praised him last week. I'm still going to praise him. I am shocked this guy gets his stuff out on time.
0: Yeah. It's beautiful work. It is, and it,
1: it, it's beautiful work, and
0: it is beautifully colored as well. Mm-hmm. The um, the uh, you know inks are done by Christian Alami and by Doug Mank and Tom Wynn and Rodney Amos. I mean, you got four guys doing inks on this book.
1: Yeah, and it's rather consistent. And yeah. you know, he doesn't cut corners on his pencils. No, you know, which no. is shocking to me. You know, yep. each page is beautiful to look at. Um, and the final page of this, which, you know, they, they reference a lot in this event, and it I, I'm surprised that they reference this event so much. I really kind of thought that it was kind of maybe not written out of continuity, but kind of glossed over, was um, yeah. in Cosmic Odyssey. John Stewart, uh, Green yeah. Lantern, was really sure of himself. Uh, I don't remember who he was teamed up with, some villain. Uh, maybe it was Etrigan the Demon. And, uh, you know, there was a planet that was going to explode. John Jones was like, hell, I can take care of this. He goes in, the bomb is yellow, so he has no control right. over it. Planet explodes because he was cocky. And apparently he's, he's still beating himself up over it. And that storyline was a good 20 years ago, you know, and it's really referenced and it's really important to the Black Knight storyline. So I'm kind of surprised they haven't repackaged it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though they mention the storyline, they don't actually have a little uh, editor's note to say it's in cosmic odyssey either right but uh yeah
0: you're just expected to kind of know it
1: yeah i mean because they don't really even fully describe what happened so i i am surprised about that i enjoy it because i've read cosmic odyssey because it's fantastic stuff jim starlin and mike mignola i highly recommend reading that storyline if you can yeah it's only 15 bucks. cosmic
0: odyssey rocks i've I've got it, I've got the trade, and and it's one of those things, you know, you kind of make your pilgrimage back to it every now and again. It is a a book that I read, you know, frequently.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's back during a time when DC, you know, some of the major events were published, not just as floppies. You know, this was done as prestige format comic books, if you remember prestige format. They don't do that anymore, really.
0: No, Um, yeah.
1: It was a prestige format, which is basically a small trade paperback, four issues, I think, uh, 48 pages each. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Great stuff, and obviously it plays into Blackest Night. But really, Green Lantern 44, I thought it was great. I really did.
0: Well, and and one of the things that I like about it, and I wasn't sure how we were going to do this. Remember, this is the first time that we're seeing someone other than Black Hand be a Black Lantern. Yes. And, you know, so I wasn't sure what they were going to do. Were they just going to be zombies? Were they going to, you know, have kind of a, a unifying voice? But no, this is this is John John Jones. I mean, he uh, he he speaks from his own knowledge and experience. Certainly, he has a a dark agenda, mm-hmm. if you will. But he is John Jones, and there's even kind of a sense of humor to him, like there was, you know, in in uh, the previous stories with John Jones. And there's this scene where he's picking up a building, and he's like, "I'm as powerful as Superman." Why does everyone forget that?
1: Yeah, I, I thought that was a really great scene.
0: Yeah, and he's just he's he's picked the building up and he's thrown it into another building. He ripped the building from his foundations, thrown it into the other building. Why does everyone forget that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I thought it was a really good book, and you know I'm I'm just gonna stick with anything Doug Mankey does. I'm gonna pick up. You know I am I am Doug Mankey's whore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know when you when you team someone like that. You know, with Jeff Johns, you know, and then you've got Pete Tomasi, and damn, still haven't looked it up. Um, the other guy on Green Lantern Corps. I mean, you've yeah. got a great team, a really great team behind these books, yeah. and they're they're going to be good to look at, and you know, they're committed all the way through the end. Yeah. So you know, really, you know, if if you're picking up Blackest Night number one, pick up Green Lantern number forty four. Um, yeah it, i I would imagine this is not not only is it essential reading it's really just a good comic book
0: now on the other hand, issue number two of Tales of the core Blackest Night came out this week
1: Paul. yes, and I didn't hate it as much
0: as the first one I did not either I did not hate it as much it it did not feel like a uh, a rape of my wallet like uh, last <laughs> week's did wallet rape um i I still didn't like it. I still thought it could be better, but there were some things I can actually pick out of it that I did like. All right, I I liked, and this is probably my favorite thing in the book. Is at the very end of the book there is an essay on the symbols of the spectrum, yes. and it talks about kind of the design process that Ethan Van Skyver went through to make each one of the symbols for the various lantern cores. And I, you know, as someone who's an, who 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 you know has an artist background and likes to write, I thought this was fascinating. You know, I just I really grew to that design process, and I'm I'm really kind of somebody who's kind of into how the creation process works, and so this was really very interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I thought that was great stuff, um, and I was <laughs> what surprised me most. I was I started reading it, and he mentions Jeff Johns, and I'm like, okay, so I guess Jeff Johns didn't write this because um, I, I guess I kind of skipped over the byline. You know, it's Ethan Van Sciver, yes. you know, who apparently designed all of these. You know, based on, of course. Uh, notes from jeff johns but i I was kind of surprised that he had such an integral part of designing you know the the core symbols
0: now uh paul i should tell you that as we record right now i am wearing my black lantern t-shirt
1: ah you bastard (laughs) so aaron (laughs) aaron found a black lantern t-shirt this week for what was it 12 bucks 11 bucks 10 bucks 10 bucks at his local comic shop Yeah, and my local comic shop only has one Blue Lantern shirt in stock, and it's a size medium.
0: Well, you should pick that one up so that you can hope you'll find a Black Lantern shirt.
1: (laughs) I should pick that one up and lose about 100 pounds is what I should (laughs) do.
0: Yeah, I hope you can fit into it someday. There you you go. go.
1: (laughs) When they've already been erased out of continuity. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, you know, this issue was better than the first issue, probably because most of it was written by Jeff Johns. You know, it has the Carol Ferris storyline, which I thought was kind of the weakest of the bunch, becoming a uh, silver S- or star sapphire.
0: I agree. I agree. And, I, you know, the. Uh the crimson lantern or red lantern storyline i one thing kind of bugged me about it and this is just this is me nitpicking it's just what i do the uh character that becomes a red lantern at the end of the book you know she's a space character doesn't have a secret identity to protect why does she wear a mask
1: <laughs> good point good point <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: that's my only kind of gripe about it otherwise i thought that it was a nice origin story for her um, you know, you can certainly understand why she would, uh, you know, become the person she becomes. But I, I just—I was looking at the costume, going, "Why
1: is she wearing a mask?" Yeah,
0: you know, who? <laughs> there's no, there's nobody alive on her world for, for anyone to know her identity. So I, I don't get that.
1: So you know what the most disappointing aspect of that red storyline was—the Red Lantern storyline. Yeah, was that they chose to focus on her instead of the cat. Yeah, there yep. <laughs> there is a cat. Damn cat, Dexstar. <laughs> Dexstar. Uh, there is a cat. Red Lantern. You know, he, he's just kind of there in the background all the time. Yeah, and I, I kind of and would vomiting have been blood on people. <laughs> yeah, vomiting blood, acidic blood on people. Yeah, uh, yeah but That's they chose right. not to focus on that character. So disappointing. But you know, the book yeah. is better. Is it essential reading? Not at all.
0: No, not at all. The uh, Agent Orange story at the back. Didn't annoy me as much as I thought it might. <laughs> but uh yeah, it was it was a better book. Do I think it was worth three ninety nine? No. Did I pick it up anyway because I'm I'm a, I'm, you know, all tarted up for Blackest Night? Yes. So uh <laughs> Tarted up. You know. <laughs> I'm all tarted up for it. Okay, so anything else about Blackest Night? No,
1: I think that's it. Look at that. Shocker. Shocker. Yeah, who'd have thought. Who'd have thought. Alright. Well, uh moving on to I guess this would be my book of the week, but it's also kind of an early contender for my book of the year, really. Um, And this is, you know, I loved Blackest Night. I love a lot of stuff that I've read this year. There's been some great comics this year. None as good as um, Richard Stark's Parker, The Hunter, um, which is a new graphic novel from Darwin Cook, uh, the Eisner Award, Emmy Award winning... um, writer artist of things like you know uh, dc's the new frontier Um, he did that superman kryptonite storyline even though that had art by tim sale he's done a lot of great work this i think is probably his most passionate work Um, this is an adaptation of parker the hunter um, written by richard stark obviously um now for those unfamiliar with that it's a crime noir uh series of novels that's been adapted a couple of times um the most recent being that mel gibson movie payback oh yeah i like that yeah now richard stark who is, which is the pseudonym of donald westlake writer donald westlake you know he he's allowed parker this in fact it's the same book the hunter To be adapted multiple times, Um, there was 1967's Point Blank with Lee Marvin, you know, but he has never allowed anyone to use the Parker name until this work, until Darwin Cook's adaptation of the storyline. Really? Mm -hmm. So this is the first book of, I think, seven in the Uh uh, Parker storyline. And Darwin Cook has said he plans to do all seven. This is, you know, and looking at it, it's about the same size as a novel. So it's not usual graphic novel size. You know, it looks like a pretty book that you can put on your shelf. It's, you know, about 140 pages, all by Darwin Cook, written, drawn, not in color, but kind of in a, a, I guess, kind of a gray scale. But instead of gray, it's more blues. Uh Um, You know, it's crime drama, crime noir, no superheroes, no superpowers. Absolutely amazing absolutely amazing.
0: That blue theme's in keeping with the way Payback was shot, because that was very monochrome. Exactly, uh, exactly. Kind of those light blues. Interesting. I have to pick that up. I didn't realize that there was a connection there, because uh, Payback is, is one of my favorite movies. I love that yeah, movie. Yeah,
1: I, I absolutely love Payback. In fact, I bought the director's yeah. cut. The director's cut came out on DVD, which is supposedly even more like the novel. Um, uh-huh. But I, I've, I've picked it up. I haven't seen it. But, you know, this is a very faithful adaptation of the novel, and it's it's great. It is a great great read it's about parker obviously that's his name uh his first name is never revealed and without giving away too too much he is on a quest if you've if you've seen payback you essentially know the storyline kind of um he's been screwed over by his wife and one of his colleagues on a job he's a thief and um basically they've taken you know his money well the money he was owed as part of the job and his wife has left him so you know he's angry he's you know trying he's going cross country and you know killing anyone who gets in his way basically and trying to get his money back and you know he'll he, he is fearless and you know he just kind of you know it, it, he always seems to know what to do It is, you know, it's classic storytelling. If you're not a fan of noir, you're not going to be a fan of this. Women are, of course, very mistreated. You know, you you see women getting punched and smacked and things like that. Um, You know, it it is a very classic noir-type storytelling. But, damn, it's beautiful to look at. It is a fantastic read. Um, You know, really, really well done. Very, you know, just suspenseful. It's it's a I, I wouldn't even venture to call it a graphic novel, even though it is. It really reads right. like a novel. You know, it, it's just I I can't say enough good things about this. Um, you know, it was published by IDW, which kind of surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, cover price twenty five bucks, which isn't too bad. I mean, it's a hardcover novel, and it's well worth the money. Um, but DC is starting up their uh, Vertigo Crime uh line. Here right. coming up soon and th- they've got to be kicking themselves for not starting it off with this this is yeah. fantastic work probably the best of darwin cook's career uh, thus far and you know that's saying something and i have to say that idw
0: is doing such a magnificent job in the books that they're publishing right now i i, I find that I'm, I'm becoming more excited about some of the stuff idw is doing than i am with dark horse and i've always been a dark horse fan uh, I'm just I'm really impressed with the with the talent that they're mustering for their licensed properties, you know like Star Trek, mm-hmm. just fantastic stuff that they're doing.
1: Yeah, you know I mean I agree. and you know they in fact, at the end of this book, it says Parker will return in summer 2010. So if you're a fan of Noir and honestly you really how can you not be? Noir storytelling is just great stuff, pick right. up Richard Starks Parker the Hunter, uh, adapted and illustrated by Darwin Cook. You can find it at your comic book store. You can find it on Amazon.com. Absolutely amazing read. You're going to love every page of it. I highly recommend it. Excellent. And that's your pick of the week? That is my pick of the week. And,
0: I, you know, I, I think my pick of the week is probably uh, uh, Green Lantern 44. I uh, you know I was I was kind of bouncing between Legion of 3 Worlds and while I'm a, I'm a huge fan of George Perez artwork uh the story just didn't carry it enough for me so I I'm, I'm really going to have to lean on uh, Green Lantern number 44 cuz Doug Mankey and Jeff Johns just really uh, uh knocked that one out of the park so thumbs up there so pick up GL 44 pick up Hunter and it sounds to me like you'll be you'll be happy with what you pick Yeah up.
1: exactly going with 30 bucks pick up those two books you will be sick. <laughs> yeah, pick up That's two right. comics for 30 bucks, and you will be happy. But definitely pick up
0: You know, that. I'll say, you know, uh, at the beginning of the year, I really trimmed back my pull list rather significantly, and, and was just pulling, you know, a couple of books every week. And in the four weeks that we have been doing this podcast now, my pull list keeps growing, Paul.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, you know, I was listening, you know, not listening, but looking at some of the... Uh, comments from our readers you know who have started getting back into comics and we're sorry we're sorry we're not trying to make you broke (laughs) but i guess if you have nothing to do you can read our site so that's right
0: that's right. I, you know, we will, we will tell you how to spend your discretionary dollars. So. <laughs> Golly. You know, I, I, I had I had really been proud of myself on on how much I had, I had trimmed back my pull list, but I picked up several books this week that weren't on my pull list. Like I went and I picked up issue 20 of Outsiders and then picked up uh, issue 19 as well. You know, obviously that $5 down the hole, Incredible Hulk number 600 I picked up. You know, uh, just several books. Uh, I will say that I dropped uh, Wednesday Comics this week. Wow, finally. Did Did you read
1: the second issue?
0: You know, I haven't gotten around to doing it. Ah. And – you know, and and it's because of the experience that I wanted to have. I want to sit down and read it with coffee. And, you know, just haven't had time to do that this week. Yeah. So uh, I did stop picking that one up. Uh, and I hate to do that, but four bucks is too expensive. And, and we've beaten that horse to death. So yeah. I won't add any more on that. But, oh, and one thing I did want to add, because I had commented last week that I had not picked up the Judd Winnick Batman books. Ah. And I did. <laughs> not... I, I had actually bought, what was it, uh, 687?
1: Is that the one by Ed Daines? 80s. It was uh, Judd Winnick and Mark Bagley. Oh, okay. You did pick that one up then.
0: Yeah, I picked it up and and, and had read it and had just, for <laughs> some reason, I had thought that was a, a Batman and Robin book. Oh, okay. You know, and so when I, I went to the store going, okay, I need to pick up these two books. And so I I bought the damn book again <laughs> <laughs> and then bought, you know, the the follow-up to it, which I believe is 688. Yeah. And really like it. You know, I, we were talking a little bit about Mark Bagley's artwork on the, on the series. I think it does work. And I think the reason why it works uh, on the series is the coloring. I do think that, you know, Mark Bagley is kind of a pinch hitter kind of guy. Yeah. He, can, he can draw a, a, a good looking book and get it out on time. But, you know, he's not that sexy artist. He's not a Jay Lee. He's not, you know, uh, Doug Mankey. Yeah. You know, but, but he's serviceable. <laughs> and I think that the, the, the he's
1: satisfactory
0: <laughs> I think his work here is good because I think he is well paired with an inker and a uh, colorist that really support what he's doing.
1: So I I like
0: it. I, I like how it's going. I like that Two-Face is uh, you know, apparently uh about to kick Dick's ass. So uh, uh I'm looking
1: forward to it. Yeah. And you know, just uh as a side note before we move on to our final topic, Doug Mankey is pronounced Mankey. Uh, I I did look it up. I was right all along. You were right all along. So sorry, Mr. Mankey. Okay,
0: so I just want to clarify for posterity. Paul, if you could say Aaron was right, I was wrong, that would
1: be great. Aaron was right, I was wrong. Um, And and on a quick, and changing the subject, if you're looking for more uh, Doug Mankey art, you know, he did uh, the art for that whatever happened to the, to truth or what's so what's so something what's so funny about truth justice in the american way uh, yeah. story for superman action comics 775 and the follow-up mm-hmm. justice league elite storyline mm-hmm. you know so he's been in the business for quite a few years most of his stuff is dc related he did a mask storyline for dark horse but the rest of his stuff is all dc so right. you know if you're looking for more doug Mankey stuff you know check it out his art has always been this good it's just even better that it's on green lantern now
0: excellent excellent, excellent. well uh I, I think that wraps up uh most of the show this week but we do want to talk about our contest.
1: yes we do you know last week we had a contest we've still got you know we've got a few entries but we have until this friday july 31st um i think you said it at 5 p.m pacific time Or whatever, Uh, Texas Central Time. Central Time, time, which is uh, six o'clock my time, Eastern Time. And we are giving away. uh, If you haven't uh, listened to last week's podcast, you know we talked about the best comics to break into comics or break back into comics after a long absence. You know, we're giving away like a little grab bag. I won't even say little because it grows every couple of days every time i think of something i throw it in there um so well it's got that rassle trade back trade
0: paper back in there which you know i'm hoping i
1: (laughs) you know i'm gonna give you guys a little preview real quick um this is what's in it so far now in a week's time when it gets sent out it will have more right now we have blackest night number zero which is hard to come by um good introduction to the storyline introduction to all the core uh the first issue of batman hush uh which was uh you know, great Batman storyline, good jumping on point for new readers. Uh, you know, not too mired in continuity. Beautiful art. Uh, Fables number one, which uh, great storyline by Bill Willingham uh, involves fairy tales in modern day London, I think, or New York. Anyway, fairy tales in modern day. Um, right. X Men Future History, which is the Messiah War source book, and really kind of gives you a up to date description of all the characters in x-force and cable which we uh, suggested last week as good comics to break into if you're an x-men fan mm-hmm. greek street by vertigo uh cyber force hunter killer number one um with by mark wade and kenneth rockefort uh from top cow that's the first issue of their big summer storyline we kill monsters number one uh by red oh. five comics
0: and we're actually going to have a, an interview with them very soon with uh, Laura Harkham and uh, uh, her co-writer on that on that book for We Kill Monsters. So that's a, that's a good primer.
1: Yeah, Christopher Leone. Thank you. I'll
0: edit that where that all works together and it sounded like I knew who I was talking about
1: <laughs> um, Vertigo Crime Special Edition, which is an introduction to Vertigo Crime, their new uh, DC's new line of mature readers. Uh, crime comic books and that includes um, a reprint of 100 Bullets number one by Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso Atomic Robo uh, Shadow from Beyond Time number one and finally like Aaron mentioned the Rassel trade paperback of the first three issues of that excellent series so and that's just so far what's in that package so yeah. if you if you really want that package listen to last week's podcast we're not going to tell you how to get it in this week's podcast because we want you to listen. (laughs) We're (laughs) We're bastards that way. Listen to another hour of our talking. Uh, But listen to last week's podcast. It is in there on how to enter to win those great comic books. And, you know, like I said, more is going to be in there, uh, including, which I forgot to mention, this week's Marvel 600 books, Hulk 600 and Amazing Spider-Man 600. Uh, I'm sorry about (laughs) Hulk 600. Uh, You can toss it away if you want, but it is in the prize package. Use it as a coaster,
0: start a fire with it. Whatever you need to do. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> excellent
0: well another uh, terrific uh, show this week or at least you know we think so <laughs> we'll listen to it <laughs> that's right so uh, we will uh, catch you next time thanks a bunch Paul. all right thank you Aaron podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com funny books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideology no Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast I am Doug Mankey's whore.